You want some more brownies? Now. Right, is there anything particularly you want to talk about? Well, uh, the answer is not really. <laughs> what about yourself? There's only one thing I can think of, and that is uh, the astonishing Jesse Lee Peterson, who oh my God, Let's I have talk. introduced you to now, haven't you I? Certainly have. <laughs> That is amazing. That has amazing. Amazing. Well, that's his catchphrase. Amazing. Amazing. Lesbians. Lesbians. Beta. He shouts Beta. He's incredible. <laughs> he's obviously had a hair lip, hasn't he? He's had a, uh, and he's had that stitched up. And he, so well, he, he has got a bit of a static face, hasn't he? I mean, face, yeah. And at first, I thought it was sort of like somebody blacked up, to be honest. He's a black guy. Who detests, detests black, people. black people? He's like a black Afghanit, an American black Afghan. It's quite remarkable. <laughs> them gods, well, damn blacks down the road. <laughs> They're so I lazy. Expected him to pull his mask off, and there's Sasha Baron Cohen. It's incredible because it's, it's like a, somebody's created this character. Um, if people don't know, we're talking about we're talking about this guy called Jesse Lee Peterson. Just Google biggest fucking moron in the world. And he will appear. He does a show, like a podcast. Sometimes he's doing it in like a studio, isn't he? But other times he's in this crappy TV studio. Well, it's his sort of... His own studio. But he's got a bit of an audience, hasn't it? That usually storms out. Um, Most of his guests storm out. But at first I found him quite funny because he'd start off like very disarming. He'd get these guests on, usually black people. And uh, he's quite disarming at first. So we'll just ask him a few normal questions and then he'll drop like a bombshell, won't he? Why are black people so evil? It's amazing, isn't it? Because he is right wing. The, the right would probably describe him as a useful idiot, wouldn't they? Oh, God, yeah. Because he, he, he probably him. does say a lot of the stuff they want to say but wouldn't get away with it. But he is like this shock jock type. Donald Trump is the great white hope. Oh, God, I was listening to him today and he was going on about there's no racism there's no sexism oh, there's no uh, homophobiaism oh, and there's God. no islamophobiaism it's incredible he was basically saying that and he, he believed he even said that he didn't even believe the kkk were racist yeah i saw that that was the kind of, <coughs> the like interview wasn't it yeah i love the calculator yeah he's good i've never seen that guy I've before but i liked him because like you, you say he was laughing at some of the ridiculous stuff Jesse was saying. He's kind of good friends with the deep fat fried lot and the uh, you know TJ Kirk and yeah uh, they were quite le- they do quite leftist stuff and but they're kind of quite controversial. They put it out there with you know and they're quite fierce, quite ferocious. They kind of tend to be kind of ferociously uh, secular. You know uh, they're all uh, atheists. You know very strong on that front. But Cal Clancy is the most sort of reasonable out of all of them, and I think his He's got a lot of followers on YouTube. He's got a big YouTube channel, actually. He's quite influential. And he appeared on Joe Rogan many times and stuff. So he's, you know, he's quite, he's quite a strong voice for the left, actually. Yeah, the, the proper left, not the stupid, radical, identity politic obsessed. Yeah, no, no, not at left. all. I think he was a big advocate of Bernie, you know, economic policy left. 
the idea of changing America to sort of a, a kind of New Deal idea to creating jobs through infrastructure and stuff. I mean, America's going to collapse for its infrastructure eventually. It's, it's not getting the kind of redevelopment that it should have. And it's under, it's under, literally under fire all the time because it's also got all these sort of global warming issues going on, massive forest fires, you know. Mm. It's the part of the problem is that Kyle, Kyle Kalinsky understands, I think, is that there's a massive problems that capitalism alone can't solve that we are going to need to have. Yes, maybe, you know, we are going to need in some ways uh, the, the sort of capitalist structure to continue but we are also going to need to look at social programs to improve things greatly mm-hmm. for people if we can, we've just got to do it i mean we're even under, even the tories in this country are, are sort of understanding that there needs to things to take place you know otherwise <laughs> it's just going to fall to bits mm-hmm. and how do we stop really really wealthy people just hoarding it away and not really using that incredible wealth for the greater good that is a huge moral question isn't it i think yeah yeah and someone like jesse lee peterson he is a fantastic diversion from that for like you were saying about the the right love him but they probably love him because he's a diversion from like what actually needs to be done you know things that really need to take place Amazing. He's a pastor as well, isn't he? So whenever he's, whenever somebody's sort of beat him in an argument, he he goes down this line of, "Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian?" And usually, if he's debating somebody on the left like Karl Kalinske, he'll say, "Well, no, I'm not. I'm a, I'm an atheist." And he'll be like, "What? What? You evil? You're so evil." Very binary view of if you're not, if you don't agree with him, you're evil, or if you're not a Christian, you're evil. And yeah, well, uh, that's what he says about why he doesn't see racism because he says there's only two types of people in the world. There's the, the people that are on the side of the angels and there's the, the people that are evil. So if you're not with me and with God, you know, I think he believes it in a way because he can't seem to get his head around the idea that you can just not want to kill people unless you're scared of God. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he seems, yeah, to, yeah. seems to find it quite difficult understanding where people would get their morality from if it wasn't from God. I think it's amazing because I think he's the archetypal uber Christian who tries to sort of simplify everything down to its base level. So he he actually says that everything is black and white to him. There Mm -hmm. are no gray areas, but we all know, we all know this is why there's no, but you know, it is banging anybody arguing with him. He's banging the red against the brick wall because he just will come out. He just comes out with his statements and look kind of smug having said them. (laughs) You know, and that's what he does. And it's really, it's quite funny. He is like a, a provocateur, isn't he? He's there to get a rise out of people. Absolutely, uh, yeah. But what makes me laugh, Dave, is, is his shoes and his, his trousers <laughs> and the fact that he has Dio as his outro music. I think it's brilliant. Which is, that you is know, so that's, cool. That's a plus point, but that's the sort of last, last type of music you would yeah. expect him to have. Yeah, you'd, exactly. You'd have some, you'd think you'd have some gospel music. Uh, yeah. the, the, whole, the, the, the whole setup of his show is just fascinating, isn't it? It's like the old joke of uh, the sort of Richard Pryor or Eddie Murphy joke of the, the black guy that was so like, the Republican black guy that was 
so straight. He was he was whiter than the whitest guy, you know. Yeah. He liked all the white music. He liked to play golf, you know. It's that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air sort of stereotype of the Carlton, you know, Carlton, who's dead stiff and straight. I never watched it, actually. And, and Ivy League, you know, he's the Ivy yeah. League kid. He's, he's like whiter than white. Couldn't believe it when some coppers, like, pulled him up one time, you know, which I thought was quite funny. And put him in the clink because they thought they might be drug, you know, drug pushers. But does Jesse even realise he's black? Don't he's so think. down on blacks, isn't he? And, and often, like, people were going, well, Jesse, you're black. And he'd be like, exactly. No, I'm not. Well, he won't say no, I'm not. Well, but... well what he would, what he really yeah, does. Yeah, but I'm not evil like you. What he does is identify himself as a ultimate, you know, this, we live in the identification age, don't we? Which is crazy. I, yeah. And I, I'm with him on that. In, in yeah, right. I am. I think sometimes he calls out some people that need to be called out. Yeah. And, but he has this thing about all blacks are, you're always complaining and blaming white men and you're just lazy. It's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. The danger is, and this is the argument with the left would put in, and, and you know, if you listen, again, listen to sort of like the deep fat, fat fry boys, I mean, like TJ Kirk's, I, I like TJ Kirk a lot, mm. and, and uh, Paul's ego and Scotty Kirk. If you ever get a chance, I don't know if you've listened to Deep Fat Fried Lee, but it's no, quite No, I haven't, cool. actually. I've no. not listened to it for a while, to be honest with you, because I've been listening to other things, you know, some of it oh, are quite yeah. controversial. But... Um, I was quite an avid listener of Deep Fat Friday. I did quite enjoy it because um, they really, really hate the sort of right-wing movement and the right-wing... There's a real kind of online battle with people like the TJ Kirks, to some lesser extent, someone like Kyle Kalinske, to the the Ben Shapiro kind of world, mm. you know? Well, Ben Shapiro and, is somebody I do watch because... You know, and I don't like to sort of agree with him, but I often find myself agreeing with him because he's very good at arguing. You know, you he's can't very good. Where this is where I would watch some TJ Kirk stuff because yeah. he's very good, as is Kaka Kalinsky, very good at dissecting and doing like an autopsy on what he says. And so they'll come, they'll actually dissect his monologues about what he believes in this and what he believes of course and he's talking about some parts of american politics that i and possibly yourself don't know a great deal about you know yeah but these lads are quite you know good political students i would say tj kirk and kakalinski are very much very very clued in to what's going on in american politics and they're very good at examining what he says and deconstructing it because mm. there's a lot of what he says where he's just completely un he doesn't really know you know he's not looking he'll make some sweeping statements about certain things with social care in america that he he doesn't he's never lived in that world he's never yeah. experienced that yeah he's 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 pure ivy league you can you know you can see that with shapiro he's pure ivy league he's never seen the other side of the tracks he's no he never lived never lived it and part of the problem is, I think one of the big problems on the right of Britain and America, but especially in American politics, it's almost like sociology is a dirty word. Yeah. It, it's like sociology, because sociology looks at things like Marxism. It looks at people's deprivation, the effect of their environment on their ability to 
improve their life and to be able to move freely uh, uh, across the country, across the world, because they've got social mobility. Uh, that is something the right, they don't, they're very uncomfortable with that, I think. The whole social sciences, really. Yeah. You know, I think Shapiro, like what he's good at is, I think he's so well prepared, which a lot of people that he debates, there's often like videos of him, you know, going to university and, and taking questions from students who he absolutely destroys. Yeah, yeah. Because he's able to back it up with statistics. And obviously yeah. people there haven't got any other statistics to counter him because they probably weren't expecting that he would come with that. So he does make them look quite foolish. And and I think some of the people that he does argue with are these students that really just know fuck all. You know, yes, they live in this that's... echo chamber. Yeah, that's They've never right. seen different sides. They are so obsessed with identity. They have such a moralistic, self-righteous view of everything. And they have a, like Peterson, they have a Jesse, P Jesse Lee Peterson, they have a, a binary view of everything, don't they? They don't <laughs> understand that they are behaving like uh little hitlers oh yeah definitely I mean, telling people what to do all the time and yep. wanting them punished and cancelled it's a big part of it it's all about power at the end of the day pal it is it is you know i'm hoping this will blow over in a decade or so and we'll, we'll be onto a new thing it is equally shallow <laughs> well yeah i'm not saying it'd be a better thing but uh mm, yeah I think Surely it, it will burn itself out. It services the ego. There's something about the ego with it, I think. Yeah. It's people's... People are very... Um, if not narcissistic... They're massively they're, narcissistic. They're now, certainly self-obsessed. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It's all about how they want to look. And I was very pleased to hear Barack Obama say, you know, you've got to get over this. You know, this is... The world's a messy place. It's not as simple as you're making out and putting someone on twitter that's not activism you've got to get out there if you, if you really want to change things you've got to get in inside yes. the system it's not about just throwing stones at people which is yeah. what most of them do and this is why i'm finding myself liking shapiro well that's when he takes argument. these down and when i listen to kalinsky Beta! he does represent the left as i want it to be you know Kyle I mean? Kalinsky is almost like the carbon left-wing copy of Ben Shapiro. I think that's probably a good way of putting it. And he is very rational. He is very reasonable. If, and, and if someone argues with him rationally and reasonably, and I have to say in fairness to, to Ben Shapiro, I've seen that in him too. I've seen when yeah, he's he, do, he does. He does. He doesn't just resort to slagging people off and no. calling them things, does no. he? Yeah, he only comes across as uber arrogant, which I think he does sometimes. Yeah. When he's, like you say, pushing out the the data and giving all the statistics, and because he's because he's in a corner, you know, he's backed into a corner in a, in a big mm -hmm. debate. And I've seen I've seen a couple of ones. I've seen one which start, looked like it was going to end very messy, where very butch, transsexual. Uh, oh, I saw that. Grabbed him by the neck to to bash him big time. And that person, interestingly, that person. Who grabbed him by the neck, I think I'm right in saying, was at one time the man who flew the helicopters that picked up all the footage of the LA riots and the OJ Simpson chase across country. So 
quite a significant figure in like journalism in a way. Yeah. Certainly in sort of tabloid journalism, uh, television journalism, ended up having a, a, a transition and uh, still quite sort of butch kind of person. Beta. <laughs> <laughs> but You're a freak. anyway, flip, flicking that back to Kalinsky, Kalinsky is somebody who is very good at being able to sit there and talk very pleasantly with somebody. Like I've seen them both do it with Joe Rogan, Kalinsky and uh, Shapiro. Yeah. Um, be very eloquent, and very easygoing and great. But I have seen Shapiro sometimes seem like a real arrogant cock. Well, he is. Um, he is definitely. Yeah, you know, he is. He's very and oily, isn't he? I he really is oily. I don't like his, uh, his whole demeanour. I and don't I think that's him... true of Kyle. I think Kyle very often mainly comes across as a pretty nice young man. Yeah. Who's still a bit fast-talking, a little bit. Well, no one's more fast-talking than Shapiro. He's like a fucking machine gun, yeah. isn't he? Believable. And I think that's it. I think the approach sort of drives me uh, around the bend. I'm not kind of, you know, I had this kind of online little argument with a friend of mine about Jordan Peterson as well. I mean, mm. I'm not, uh, to me, a bit of a snake oil salesman. I think he's just another Tony Robbins, really. It's a self-help guy, isn't it? Really? Well, he is a clinical psychologist. You know, that's that's the position he comes from. Everybody tries to categorise him and say he's political, but I don't think... Because he's, he's said some things that have challenged the correct view, if you like, mm. people have called him right wing, which he's, he's certainly not. I mean, he's not left wing, but and he has this fixation on attacking Marxism, which I found very interesting, really, because I've always sort of thought, well, p- probably Marxism has a lot of a lot going for it if it's done right. And this is mm. what. You know, so I sort of I like certain people that are Marxist, like I'm a big fan of Mark Fisher who um, was this cultural theorist, mm. uh, this British guy. He's wrote loads of brilliant stuff. I would really recommend him. And, uh, you know, he, he critiques music. Uh, he's dead now, unfortunately. He hanged himself a couple of years ago because he's, he suffered really badly with depression. But but he wrote this really good essay about call-out culture in about 2013 it's called exiting the vampire castle i'd recommend anybody to read it so he's this guy who's who's always on the left but he could see very early on the problems that the left were developing and how it's there's a sort of battle within the left so i'm sort of i like him on one side who's probably lent towards marxism but then i'm hearing jordan peterson like say it's the most evil thing that could possibly be yeah, but I think that's because he's looking at it from from the extreme end of some totalitarian fucking evil bastard getting old or something, and and uh, turning and, and and you know anybody can bloody anybody can uh, I say anybody can do that. Of course that's not true, but you know anybody can see that the moment a, a fascist regime or a left wing regime goes too far down the road the road of totalitarianism. It ends up like that. But isn't it supposed to be, and, aren't and they supposed to be, aren't Stalin, Cambodia and all that, isn't that supposed to be following Marxist principles? Yeah, but Marxist... So, you know, you've got to say he's got the evidence that suggests Marxism yeah, of course. is not but, good. It's, but, what, it's but what's the other side of the argument that you let, you know, that you believe in, uh, like, a very right-wing kind of approach to the world where 
you know, and you believe. Well, you don't necessarily it, have to believe in either. I don't think. No, no, not at all. But what I'm saying is, is that the principles. I think this is what's really unfair when someone like Peterson talks about that with Marxism, because you, like you were saying about Fisher, he's like the principles of Marxism are great, um, but we should look at the mistakes made to where Marxism uh, has fallen, where, where its huge pitfalls are, which is if you've got a all-powerful committee dictating what needs to take place for the fairness of all, yeah, that can go terribly, terribly wrong. You, we need democracy. We need democracy with some Marxist principles. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, but it's yeah. like you cannot say that because well, some Marxist principles mean some form of socialism. But socialism, again, and Marxism need to be controlled under democracy. Otherwise, you end up with Putin. And Putin isn't a Marxist. Putin's a fascist because yeah. Putin believes in the free in free economy now. Yeah. Russia's spun on its head. Russia is spoiling its head. And I say to Mr. Peterson and whoever else, which is more evil? Which is more evil? They're all the fucking same. It's the same thing. We're in danger of it in this country because we've got this crazy fucking blonde, foppy-haired bloke. The Great White Hope. Who is a second-rate journalist who overuses metaphor. He really should just have a YouTube channel like Jesse Lee Peterson. You know, who's running Britain with a massive mandate because we had a thing called Brexit, Brexit, which is a completely made up load of nonsense. And because of that, they've got this massive mandate and there's no and we cannot at this moment in time get him to stop doing whatever he wants. So he doesn't sack anybody at all. Nobody gets sacked in his government because there's no pressure from the opposition because we have a very weak democracy and this this can lead then to a form of fascism yeah or, definitely or and definitely if it was the other way if it was the other way around i'd be saying exactly the same thing worrying about jeremy corbyn being a totalitarian marxist leader if he had a massive majority to do whatever he wanted i'd be thinking mm, a bit worrying this this could mm. go a little bit totalitarian you know but you know what wouldn't ever happen in this country because the fucking the right have too much might. The right have too much might. And what would happen would be a very well, British I mean, coup. Yeah, broadband, free broadband for everyone. <laughs> why, would people, <laughs> yeah, yeah. why would people reject that? I rest my case. I mean, I know it was about Brexit mainly, but his brand of politics seemed like a really good brand of politics. Fairness at the forefront of it. He was saying all the right things as far as I was concerned. And I didn't think twice about voting for him. No, me, me uh, mate. I didn't. He got uh, monstered in the press, didn't he? That was monstered. the main thing. You know, anybody who bought those papers would have thought he was the most evil man alive. This is what bothers me a little bit again about the Shapiros and uh, the Petersons. And, I, and I, perhaps I'm being unfair. He's, he's, not not, he's not right. I know that. And I know he's pals with Stephen Fry and everything. Great. He was a bit of a liberal Democrat anyway, mm. but but uh, he's very woke, Stephen Fry, really. And let's be honest, is he? But yeah, but I think he's got some. I think he gets on with Stephen Jordan Fry. Peterson. Yeah. They do a little bit of debate tour, don't they? I think they get on very well, but they have a lot of differences of opinion. And that's fine. That's that that's is totally fine, fine, isn't it? You know, I don't agree with everything P 
Peterson says. I don't agree with everything anybody says. It's about sure. taking bits from different people. Of course. And but, not living in an echo chamber, which yeah, so many but, people want to do. Absolutely. But the problem is with the Peterson, and I'm not lumping them together. The problem with the Peterson thing and with the Shapiro thing and with many others who are, let's say, on the right, a little bit on the right side of politics, <coughs> or let's say what m- most people think of the safe side of politics, right? They're okay. They're user-friendly. See what I mean? Mm. Because we are totally dictated by the right-wing press. So it's okay every now and again to have Ben Shapiro even on the BBC, you know. But if you take, if you go extremities that are troubling to the right-wing press, then there's no no one gets a, a, a you know. And you get castigated as well. So if you're someone, if you're someone of the left, who might have very high sort of ideals about society and the fairness in society uh, and the sharing of wealth, you're just going to, you're going to get murdered. You're mm. going to get fucking murdered in the press, aren't you? It seems really unfair because the message is a, is a decent and fair one. I think what people have said about Peterson on Marxism is that he is being quite disingenuous or he's not being accurate in, in the way he's describing Marxism. Because That's my point. I went around a lot of around. people will say when they look at Stalin and they look at other places where communism, Marxism, whatever has supposedly happened, they always say, well, that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, they're not doing it right. And obviously, Peterson seizes on that saying, well, you know, they would say that because they're trying to defend something that's indefensible. This is the thing. You teach kids the pure principles of Marxism in a junior school and they'll go, well, that sounds great. That sounds fair. I was a learning support assistant in a classroom. Very fortunate, actually, because I was with a health and social care class. A bunch of nice young people who were going to become nurses. Lesbians! Uh, or you know, work in health, health, health and social care. Very big round here where I live, mm-hmm. and popular course to take, right? And the lecturer in question that I was working with, Tracy, she was big on having a guest lecturer come in to discuss sociology with the students. And one of the lessons was on Marxism. And every single student thought it was a good idea. Yeah. And she went on to say very candidly amongst us all that she'd been teaching it, I think she said, in Altrincham Grammar School, right, where they are thinking of taking it off the agenda for next year. And she said that's not uncommon. Most schools now are not teaching Marxism to any of the kids seen as dangerous Mm. and it's absolutely outrageous because i remember doing modern world history i think it was modern world history where we touched on marx we more than touched on marxism we talked quite uh, you know at at length at school about marxism the pros and the cons of it what went wrong with it right in modern world history it's an ideology it's it's like a utopian ideology in a way isn't it yeah. It isn't going to happen. It's never going to happen. Well, that's why this going back to Mark. It's worth Fisher, striving for. Yeah. It's worth striving to or get close. Trying to cram to it. a bit of it in. Yeah, or cram a bit of it. In. It's the bastardization of some interesting philosophies. This is part of the problem, isn't it? 
yeah. they get bastardized, they get corrupted, they get taken over, and they get taken over quite often. These these ideologies and theories and philosophies they get taken over by totalitarian nut jobs. Yeah, simple either as. from the left or the right. Or e- exactly either way, and it ends up pretty much the same shit. Are you a Christian? We all have some right. Uh, right of center ideas and we all have some left we all have some quirky interesting ideas let's put them in the pot we're so defined by these this strong idea of left and right can i just tell you quickly one great story anecdotally which is the epitome to me of of the marxist ideal a socialist marxist ideal and um it was watching a michael moore documentary where he spoke to this baker in america who decided that he thought, well, I earned quite a lot of money uh, and the, the bakery is successful, but I could live on less. I don't know why I'm, you know, I don't need to be paying myself 200 grand a year, which I, yeah. I, I, could, I could do. So he, what he decided to do was he thought, well, I've got a really good workforce here. I think they should all be on good money. Mm-hmm. He thought, well, I can live on 60 grand a year and I reckon I could just about pay the workforce. 60 grand each right so he paid them 60 grand not one of them missed a fucking day off work that year right the increase in business was incredible went through the roof i'm not surprised dave you know you look after your staff they look after you it's quite a simple principle isn't it it's the greatest principle of what marxism could be a revolution in business Mm. because most businesses they're treating the staff like uh, a statistic all the fucking time. And that's the corporate world that's done that. The corporate mm. world. I mean, I work within the corporate world. I see it firsthand. Yeah. You know, it's great when you're getting valued, which most of the time I am because I can do various tricks in work. And I know I'm very experienced in, in it. Right. But, you know, it's like that click. Right. Not needed now. Thank you very much. It's like <laughs> being on the fucking docks in on the waterfront. Where Johnny yeah. Friendly's mob turn around and say, "Only oh, we only want ten today. You rest, you can fuck off," you know. Yeah. But you have a you have a good skilled workforce and you treat them well and you pay them well. What's wrong with that? You know, well, everyone's a winner. Everyone's a winner, mate. And this guy was saying, "Well, I'm happy. We're all happy. We we all like each other. I'm treated like bloody gold dust because I'm the guy who said, look, I want a, I want you all to have a fair share.'" Yeah. So I feel great. These guys feel great. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything in my life. It's like, wow. And it, it was the great eureka moment watching that. I was thinking, God, if I had the wherewithal to have a business and could do that, that would be an amazing thing to do. Because every you just know that everyone would be so on your side. Yeah, yeah. Um, just going back to what we're saying about Marxism not really being a possibility anymore is that Mark Fisher wrote, a really good book, very critically acclaimed, called Capitalist Realism. Mm. Is there really no alternative? And he talks, not read it, but he's, he talks about how people still hanker after it, but it's just not going to happen now. It's, it's We're too far into oh, I agree with that, capitalism totally. now. And yeah, I totally agree with that. People will never, ever go back to that. But and, and, and this links into hauntology, which he talks a lot about. He's, he's a very good writer on hauntology. Yeah. And hauntology is... It was originally a word that came from Jack Derrida. He wrote this book in, I think, the early 90s about the spectre of Marxism hanging over Europe. Yeah. 
but hauntology has become something quite different now. It's all about how the past is always in the present in a sort of malevolent way. You know, it's like looking back to the 70s. It's very interesting. I know you're a massive fan and I'm sort of getting into it. It does. It is a I'll real probably throwback. probably not describe it well. I always struggle to describe exactly. Well, it's really it hard is. to describe, isn't it? It's yeah, it is very hard. Ontology is really hard to describe. I think, I think someone described it as the persistent presence of the past in the present. Yes. It, it <laughs> sounds quite hard to get your head around that. But it is we, about repeating things, you know, that we're yeah. destined to repeat things. We've reached the point of critical mass where we're never going to be as creative as we used to be. So yeah. we just end up repeating it. Everything's retro, everything's nostalgic. And uh, but hauntology's think... got a more hauntings, malevolent thing to it, you know, not pleasant. That was the world we sort of grew up in because things were yeah. kind of, there was a kind of sense of malevolence. We had those public information films. We had yeah. Wurzel Gummidge on a Sunday night, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, you Sunday know? evening, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Sunday evening, we had things yeah. like Children of the Stone. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going there next week, by the way. I'm going to Avebury next week. Oh, right. I'm really excited about. Um, you know, we had this um, this dark malevolence, and the biggest one of all was the idea of nuclear threat that was hanging yeah. over us. Then after that, the threat of AIDS. So we yeah. had all this kind of hanging over us growing up in the 70s and 80s that became this um, umbrella of darkness that came. I know. It's but, amazing, though. It is amazing. It was, And it was kind of brilliant because you... You scurry home to get in front of the electric fire to oh, warm and put something on the telly that was sort of light-hearted, like Never the Twain or something, to try and escape the misery of yeah. what could Mom, be. you've taped over threads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll give a bit of a plug to a really good set of books called Scarred for Life, which have been written by two guys that started talking about this, how their childhoods were full of scary things on TV and elsewhere. Like you know, Survivors, like, Lee, like Survivors. Survivors. I haven't yeah. been watching it. Well, I haven't watched it yet. I might, so if I get time, I will. Can I just say, being relevant to what's going on at the minute and mm. relevant to the whole gender issue, the woke gender argument, yeah. it was quite it's fascinating. weightlifter. Exactly. We have this transgender weightlifter who, thank God, didn't get any medals. Didn't, oh. She didn't get any medals. But it's quite interesting how the Olympic Committee have worked this whole business, which is a committee that has been so keen to keep drugs out of its sport, supposedly, which is hilarious because it had failed miserably over the years, quite yeah. obviously, to the amount of gold medals that have gone out there to people who are absolutely doped up on steroids and everything else to make them, you know, with these East German women with testicles, for God's sake. What is a man? I do remember this one. I can't remember a name. Fucking incredible, some of them. His name. It just looked like a bloke. Yeah, absolutely. An absolute bloke running, say, the 400 metres. Yeah. And these poor other... It's a bit like Mark Hughes, I remember. But apparently they have to be have to have a a large level of like female hormones in their body, basically, for want of a better technical term, for them to compete. This is this, so this which kind of creates oh, the complications today is is amazing, really, isn't it? And therefore that creates 
the so-called fairness. I still think it's very difficult because, you know, you're going to get some fella that's had a sex change and um, may play, let's say, table tennis or badminton. Well, the fast twitch nerves, let's say, and muscles that are in that person as a man, aren't they still going to remain there? Which, Why, are they superior to... Well, uh, yeah, well, I would think Twitch. so. I right. would think so. I mean, look, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of cricket. You watch the women playing cricket, they can't get the... They just can't get it up. They can't, can't get it up. They can't get the ball <laughs> to travel beyond, let's say, 65, 75 miles an hour. The fellas are bowling at 90, 85, yeah. 90 miles an hour. The shots we power. That's all I'm saying. Is it definitely going to work to have the hormone replacement situation? Yeah, I mean, I thought that they'd be measuring testosterone as well because there was that runner. I can't remember her name now. Yeah, of course, it's the testosterone measuring the testosterone. Mm. But I wonder whether some of the the point I'm making is is some of the existing physicality. Yeah, I'm, I think you're there. right. I don't think it's, it's create just about, unfairness. Yeah, I don't think it's just about the chemicals in the body that contribute to strength and other things can't we just say physical attributes can't we just say we're going to leave it long enough right until there's enough of you that are <laughs> decent athletes and you can have your own section <laughs> it's, it's a very difficult one because on the one hand and i know we might sound a bit woke here but you don't want to say well this person isn't a woman right yeah. because They've changed into a woman. She's a woman, right? But in sport, it creates such problems, doesn't it? Oh, it cannot be denied. And you might, on the one hand, back the woman being in that sport and saying, well, she has to be in that sport. You can't put her anywhere else. She's not a man. So why is she, you know, she should be in the women. But you've got to feel sorry for the other women, haven't you? Absolutely. I think some of them have spoke out, really. It's very demoralising. Especially with this weightlifter, and I know she didn't win, but apparently she's just been smashing records left, right and centre and beating all the women hands down in all the competitions. Really? Yeah, I think so. Well, there you go then. They are, that says it all, the muscle mass that's already here. This is the other thing they were talking about, the muscle mass and bone density. You can't change that. So, you know, most men have stronger bone, larger bone density, which tends to make a big difference in sport. I could be proved wrong on this, but it seems like whenever a trans athlete moves into the women's category, so they were once a man and now they're a woman, that they always win. And if that's the case, that tells us everything we need to know, doesn't it, really? Well, it just doesn't work, does it? Because if it was to happen, if the shoes to fall on the other foot and it's a woman who becomes a man and then becomes an athlete, she's not going to be able to compete. There's got no, no, there's no. going to be no competition. I would, I would bet my life on. I would bet my life on. They, you know, in, in an event that requires either about fast running or even anything, anything, slow, slowish running like the ten thousand meters, yeah. or you think, you think football, the, the, or the, they will happen. never ever get to the top. Never. It's not going to happen. And the only way it'll happen if there's wonder drugs, which defeats the whole idea. Again, this is the argument defeats the whole idea of the Olympic Games. Because Mind you, the Olympics is bonkers, isn't it? Let's be honest. I'm not being I mean, watching I'd all love, any I'm, of it, to be honest. I saw a bit of skateboarding tonight. Well, this is what I mean. You know, 
the thing is, I said it on Facebook today. I mean, I call them the shite hawk sports, right? Yeah, I know, I saw that. Because, I mean, come on. Uh, it's the only time you ever watch three-on-three basketball, please. You've got already got ordinary basketball. That was news to me. I've never heard of that. Exactly. That's the kind of basketball they play in the, ur- in the urban areas, the kids in the ghetto, you know, mm. three-on-three. You know, they used to, that, well, that's usually two-on-two, isn't it? I don't know, but one net. And it's like, is that sport? You know, skateboard. And the 13-year-old kids winning it. And I, I don't get me wrong. I love it. It's great entertainment. It's really different. It's great watching different shit. But it's kind of like, the, again, tying this all in a big nutshell with politics. The Olympics is just this big corporate thing. It's kind of like saying, let's create big distractions for young people so they all live uh, healthy and heartily. And maybe they don't get too I- ideological on <laughs> on things politically so we could do these all these crazy sports keep people happy it's kind of a way you know in a weird way it's kind of like mind control it's kind of controlling populations because the reality is the olympics just crushes the economy of any country that it goes to you know it's a disaster is it oh yeah it costs a big mm. cost of fortune to do it and it doesn't. T- I mean, this one's going to be a total disaster because they, they're not even getting any crowds or anything, are they? But yeah, they spend a fortune on infrastructure. What it tends to do, those countries are forced to spend a lot of money on infrastructure, which sometimes is used for the greater good. I think the London Olympics was very good for that. But other countries, it's left a fucking rack and ruin. I remember going to. The, I remember going to Barcelona and having a walk around sort of the Olympic area in Barcelona. There's nothing happening there. So yeah, it's just been left yeah, they flat. just get it becomes a bit of a ghost town, doesn't it? After yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. But a... it's a bit like the Eurovision Song Contest. Not that I watched that, but it's like no one wants to win it anymore because the next one is always in your country. Exactly. It costs you a fortune. fortune. Cost you an absolute fortune, mm. and it's a great, crazy thing. The Olympics, I have to say, but it does make me laugh because. You know, I loved watching the the um, surfing. That was great. I watched the surfing. I lo- I've loved all, like I said, I've loved all the shite hawk sports. Don't get me wrong. I've loved them all. They are much more entertaining for me than the one that than- makes me laugh is things like the sailing. It's <laughs> just yeah. like people <laughs> lost in sea at it sea. Looks don't like it, it? <laughs> it's like where's he going? Where where are they aiming for? What direction are they supposed to be going in? It's just constantly being blown about and going around in circles. I don't even know where they start and where they finish. I suppose there's different disciplines, isn't there? Probably one is see how many circles you can make. It's a kind of wonderful eye-opener, the Olympics, though, to see how many sports and sports sort of organisations and affiliations and associations there are in the world for all these, like quite obscure sports that people play do them to a very high level and you yeah. go fucking i didn't even know like th- this three on three basketball and stuff you're like i didn't even know that existed for fuck's sake and you've got skateboarding which is won by diddy the diddy men you know it's kids i call actually called it kids skateboarding he was keegan that. wasn't it was it keegan who won it <laughs> was some australian guy called keegan. keegan i'd love it if i win that gold medal yeah I love swimming. Swimming yeah. is my... Really? Problem. I can't stand the bloody swimming. No, well, that's what I'm saying. I love to swim. It's probably oh. the, the, the main sort of thing that I do as an exercise. But mm. I don't really really want to sit and watch 
the heats of the 800 meters. I'm delighted that Adam Peaty wins. I'm delighted that he do it. I did quite enjoy watching the triathlon. That was quite good mm. for the sheer sort of agony of it. But yeah, yeah I, I don't hate the swimming as much as I, I stated there. But it, it, don't hold badly. I don't mind if you hate the swimming. It's great. Yeah. I mean, like I, I said the same thing. I, I think I hate swimming. swimming it's always reminded me of, you know, when the football season ended and yeah. grandstands in the summer would have swimming on. Yeah. And now... Swimming from the Olympic baths in yeah. Margate. And here we have. Yeah. And it was like, oh, no. Fucking it wasn't even swimming. people like Duncan Goodhue or David Wilkie, was it? Yeah. It was just nobody. <laughs> the girlfriend of... Somebody I know. I was watching her the other day and watching her eat, and she's had her lips done to such an extent I couldn't tell from a profile angle whether she was eating with her mouth open or not, because <laughs> all I could see was these sort of big flapping lips. Slut. Is she eating a trout as well? Satan is your daddy. <laughs>